You're listening to the Sill Podcast Perspectives on Art and Technology with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 48 Make It So, Number One Regaining Control of the Good Ship Self. You don't own me. I'm not just one of your many toys. You don't own me. So you're asserting so much control in the way you sip that coffee. That's true. In fact, my wife always gives me hell for, for slurping or making noise while I'm eating. Your wife you know, gives you hell for slurping? For slurping, because, you know, control yourself. You don't have to slurp. You can do that with more subtlety. Some women like slurping. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying, Harry, sorry. So we're talking about control here. Uh, control, control, control. And you said something earlier today when we were chatting about uh, control and civilization. What was it you said? Oh, you mean when I was referring to uh, humans in uh, urban centers having yeah. become the equivalent of what domesticated animals used to be in the agrarian age? Yeah. Yeah. I resemble that remark. You do. <laughs> <laughs> I resemble the implications. Oh, but yeah. you know what I mean by that, though? In terms of we've become sort of beholden to the powers that be in the same way that we tried to control domesticated animals in the agrarian age and we trained them to suit our purposes yep and in some ways i think in modern society the upper echelon is doing the same to the masses and you referred a lot to in our little conversation earlier you referred a lot to uh, noam chomsky and his writings and what he has to say about it tell me a bit about what his his sort of contention is about that. Well, Noam Chomsky's, uh, if I've been listening to for probably the better part of 40 years, and uh, he does a whole segment. I've got hundreds of his exchanges, either interviews or, or speeches that he's done. And one of them is on specifically as a group of um, articles that he voiced on democracy being an illusion uh-huh. uh, in the sense that what we intended for democracy to be and what it actually is, is quite different. Yeah. And he states, without getting into a lot of details, that it predominantly happened in the 60s. Up until then, you could still classify it as fairly democratic. He's referring, of course, to the United States. Mm-hmm. But since then, it's been a complete breakdown in terms of... And what was the turning point in the 60s? That The turning point seemed to be uh, up and around and just before the time of the Kennedy administration. Mm-hmm when there was a lot of movement to the corporate and serving the smaller number of high-end earners Uh directly or indirectly combined to reshape democracy to favor them. Uh First, they figured out what they wanted, and then they shaped the policy to fit what they needed or wanted. Which is exactly what conspiracy theorists always talk about, conscious and deliberate manipulation of populations for the sake of an elite few. Mm -hmm. So it's understandable why there is so much conspiracy theory in the air, because it really is true in a way. Mm. And even if you don't have all the details, all you have to look at is wealth distribution. 
Yeah, the shrinking of the middle class. Yes. Right? If you know nothing else, you don't have to be scientific or have uh, graphs or, or have statistics. Just yeah. look at what's happening, the imbalance that's occurring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you just look at the individual's life. Our lives are controlled from so many different directions, or at least we've relinquished control. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way, because there is a choice here. And in many instances, we've chosen to relinquish control for things like our health care, the way we uh, treat our bodies, in our jobs, the way mm-hmm. we approach working, yes. and how we work and where we work. We've relinquished a lot of control, control to the automobile, which mm-hmm. is now the preeminent and most important vehicle on the road, not bicycles, not mm-hmm. our legs. At least not car. in our culture. In our culture in particular, yeah, mm-hmm. in the West. So we have consciously relinquish control. And that is the dynamic that we face from childhood, infanthood to death, which is either taking control or relinquishing control. control. One of those two is happening in every moment Mm -hmm. of our lives. And that's where our entire thought process begins to cultivate. Yeah, from the moment of being slapped on the bum to Mm -hmm. make us breathe, to being told as a toddler, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Stop it. No, Mm -hmm. Jimmy. No, you're the kid. I'm the adult. I'm in control here. As long as you're under my roof, you do what I say. Which also, by the way, eliminates the whole process of decision-making. Yeah. Which is a very important part of our personal development. And that keeps us younger for a longer period of time. That Mm -hmm. infantilism idea, neoteny, that was the word we used many many moons ago, to describe how our psychology is retarded by the way we're treated as kids. You create a society that's easier to manipulate and control. Exactly, exactly. By giving up that particular freedom. So if your parents were fear-mongering you into every decision or not allowing you to make a decision, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they were limiting your capabilities as you're becoming an adolescent and as you're developing into the so-called adult. Well, or making us crazy. Because look, Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, you'd be told, go out and play. There wasn't the same paranoia there is now about children out playing. True. They would say, go out and play. And then as a 10-year-old or 11-year-old, I'd go out and play, and then I'd get carried away, and it would be dark mm-hmm. before I got home. Mm-hmm. And then I would get home, and I would get the strap yeah. for coming in too late. So on the one hand, they're saying, go out and have fun and be free. And on the other hand, you can't do that. Of right? course, in their defense, they were just doing what they thought was best based on the way they'd been raised. Well, of course. Yeah, so, so control a, and power dynamics are passed from generation to generation oh, sure. through just, the parents. Just like socioeconomic tendencies are passed. Yeah. You can break them. It doesn't mean that they're in granite. You right. can change them. But how many people have that capability? Sure. Or even desire. Yeah. At the level of nations, nations go to war over power over control of whether it's resources or ideologies or what have you. Nations go to war and then young men and women are conscripted or urged to join the army and go and get themselves killed. So there's this... Well, urge is very different from conscripted. Sure, yeah. (laughs) But in both cases, there's an exercise (laughs) of control implied there. In other words, if you don't go Mm -hmm. voluntarily, you're not patriotic, you don't love your country. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pressure on people to conform to the norms, etc., and to relinquish control over many aspects of our lives. Yes, and to me, the danger of that, the whole Big Brother theory... Once you create a fearful society or people who are not taught to think independently or to question, 
then you can take them wherever you want. Yeah, it can be a fearful society or it can be a society that's resigned to its fate. Accepting. Yeah, there are people who walk around, they realize that they're under the control of the powers that be, quote unquote, for maybe 90% of their lives. Mm -hmm. And they've resigned themselves to that fact. Either they're too tired to fight back or they don't know how or they don't know any better. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, there are people who are aware of it and who are pushed to extremes to try to break out of that control. And so there are acts of vandalism and violence that explode out of people at the strangest of times. Neither of which is what you really want. You don't want either extreme passivity or extreme reaction. You want something in between where you look at things and And that has to come also not just from us, but our political leadership. Instead of making it a party issue where you sort of encapsulize these values within, i.e., a Democrat or a Republican or a conservative and a liberal, you think of it more in terms of what makes sense. And perhaps there's crossovers. There's, There's part of what you have and what I have that can be worked on. It doesn't have to be just a liberal, conservative or Democrat but that's Remission. what we're handed. Yeah, I know. We're handed that. And then we're told, hey, if you don't want so-and-so in power, vote strategically. Mm-hmm. Talk about the end of democracy. To me, that's the end of democracy. The moment the population is thinking, how do I vote to keep someone out of office? Absolutely Rather agree. than voting for who I think is the best person, there's the end of your democracy. Yeah, and we've no got more. an interesting situation coming up right now, next week. Or actually, exactly. this week, on yeah. June 7th. And that's what's happening there. They're already this talking week. that way. You oh. know, let's... Let's, let's vote strategically in the way they happen. Even the Liberal Party just came out and said, I well, know. we're going to lose the election, so we better not vote in uh, Doug Ford. Let's get, make sure that at least new Democrats get in. Mm-hmm. Don't vote for the wrong person. Where's the democracy in that? Seriously. Happened in 2016 in the U.S. And it's just repeating itself again here mm. on a smaller mm-hmm. scale. Right. Fox, Fox. So, what's your story? This is Washington, D.C. Somewhere in this city is the headquarters of a top-secret organization known as Control. Its business is counter-espionage. 99, we're a top-secret organization. Not even the State Department knows about us. We just can't go running to them every time we've got a little problem. Then what about Congress, Max? They could put through a special appropriation. How long would that take? Three months. Well, what if it was an emergency? Four months. <laughs> Chaos kidnapped Agent 95. They tortured him for 30 days. By the time we rescued him, he was a total loss. Why? He was ranting and raving. You couldn't understand a word he said. Whatever happened to Agent 95? He went into politics. Fox, Fox. When it comes to asserting control or pointing out how much we've lost control, this is where the arts come in. This is where culture comes in. Mm. When you think about the anti-war protests that happened in the U.S. in the 60s and 70s for Vietnam, Mm -hmm. a lot of it came out of the world of music, folk singers expressing their rage at this war and at the death and destruction of young people, etc. Four dead in Ohio, and all that stuff that was going on in the States. Prominent social consciousness. Yeah, the arts really, in those times, have to step up 
artists have to step up and make statements. Uh, often artists aren't political people, but there are times when we have to galvanize ourselves and make statements in our art. Like I wrote a poem shortly after uh, Doug Ford came to be the leader of the PC party. I wrote a poem that was kind of denigrating of him okay. <laughs> and his party. Yep. And uh, as poet laureate of Dufferin County, I was put down, I was attacked a little bit for doing that because I was taking an overtly political position. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, to hell with it. I have to make a statement. It doesn't matter whether I'm Poet Laureate or Joe the Butcher. I've got to make a statement. As I'm an a, individual. I'm a citizen. I can yeah, make a statement exactly. if I want to. Mm-hmm. That's not a big deal. So, you know, there are times when you have to step up, and artists tend to do that more because, in a way, they have less to lose. A lot of artists are not wealthy people. They're not beholden because they're freelancers. Mm-hmm. And so they can make statements also, they're more difficult to really stop because it's a song. Sure. Those in charge don't see it as a direct or an immediate threat. Yeah. It's just another song. Hey, teacher, yeah, leave those, those kids, kids alone. alone. Thought control. Yeah, all that stuff. Absolutely. Right? So we have to, as artists, step up and fight the power occasionally. Now, you're, now you're talking about artists, so I'll bring in something else, which is a, a kind of another so-called form of art, the art of dying. Mm, yeah. <laughs> in terms of more and more people electing or choosing to end their own life. Mm-hmm. And even the legal side of things is changing to accommodate that. In a way, it's regaining control. Right. Well, and that should be the one moment in our lives where we have total control is that moment of deciding, is it time? Is it not time? Mm-hmm. I'm the only one who should make that decision. I agree. Not so, if there's I'm... some people that would argue it, but I agree with that. So here's the question, really, the question of questions that we have to grapple with Mm. is how do people regain control of their own lives, having given up a lot of that control to institutions, to governments, to doctors, to lawyers, all of that stuff? How do we regain more control in our individual lives? Well, the the first step, in my opinion, is you have to be able to accept the consequences of taking that kind of action. You have to understand that when you do that, you're going against the grain in many cases. And if you're willing to accept that, it all comes down to your personal choice in terms of what you're willing to give up or willing to handle. If I know I'm going to make a personal decision that may affect those immediately around me or the institutions or the political power, whatever it is, if I'm willing to accept that there's going to be a rough period, or that there's going to be an accommodative state. Yeah, in prison, potentially. It, it could go that far. Or uh, in a healthcare facility, if they deem you unstable, mm-hmm. blah, 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 because it's all about control of emotions. Mm-hmm. When they assess you psychologically, they're assessing how much control you have over your emotional state. And if mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of control over it, you're cuckoo in their eyes, off you go. When you say you're cuckoo, what I'm choosing to do is more important than my concern for you calling me cuckoo. If you're one of those people who being called cuckoo is paramount to your existence, then you probably won't make that same decision. Right. right? So it comes down to a lot of it's just a personal view and what you're willing or not willing to accept. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about medicine, for example. You go to a doctor or to a hospital with the idea that they're the experts and they're going to take care of whatever medical attention you need or address whatever issue you have. You can go there and say, I will leave it entirely up to them and I will do exactly as they tell me. Or you can say, I will consider what they tell me 
and consider it seriously because they do have knowledge and so on that I don't have. But then I've got to apply my own thinking and say, is that my best choice? Does that make sense to me? Now, some people will say, no, I'm not in a position to do that. So I'm going to take exactly what they say and I'm going to do exactly. I'm going to follow to a T. And that's a personal choice. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's what you choose. Right. I would not be one of those people. And it might even cost me my life for all I know. Yeah. Now, here's where technology comes in. Because with the internet, there is information, good information, mm -hmm. about pretty well everything that you would want to know about. So you can take your own health into your own hands. The doctor says you've got... X disease or Y condition, you can dial it up on the net and you can find out pretty well everything that that doctor knows yourself. Except that you've got to be careful on the internet because you don't know enough sometimes to distinguish the real from the false, right? Right. So you need to consult several sources and if there's consistency, right. then you know you've got something there. But my point is that you can know just as much about it practically as your doctor. The so basic when, things. So when you go to the doctor, you can say, but what about this complication that I read about this? You can question That it. could happen if we do surgery mm -hmm. and the doctor that is put on the spot to actually say, well, yes, it happens X percent of the time, but you have an discussion mm -hmm. rather than just him prescribing what you have to do or what has to happen. No different than going to your mechanic yep. and either saying to him, fix what's wrong and not knowing anything or yep. having some rudimentary knowledge of your engine and how your car works so that when he says something, you can say, are you sure that that's what yeah, we need? Yeah, that's not the catalytic converter. That's right. the exhaust pipe. Right. Whatever. But, but again, you have to have a willingness to either go there, to explore, to learn, and not everyone does. That's right. Uh, those are really personal decisions. The other big aspect we haven't touched upon yet is, of course, religion. Mm -hmm. Because religion if anything, is the maestro at controlling its population. Uh, if you tell someone, no matter what you do or what you think, the big guy upstairs can hear and see you, mm -hmm. and anything you do could be held against you at that judgment time. All that's a huge way of controlling a population you or I see it that way. There are a lot of people in the midst of it who do not see it as a control. They see it as the way of life. They have a total belief in that, and they think we're crazy for questioning it. Of course, of course. <laughs> so. People are asleep within their ideologies, within their religions. One tends to fall asleep when you've accepted a worldview so fully that you don't question it at all. Yeah, and that's the key to me. The key is whether you are willing to look or question Right. There's no point in me arguing with someone who doesn't believe what I believe or doesn't see what I see. The only thing I can do is have a conversation with them and see if they're willing to explore something. Yeah. Your willingness to explore something is also based on the way you think. And typically, although not always, the more educated you are. And by education, I don't necessarily mean just school education. You don't have to go to school only to be educated. You can be educated in many ways. But the point is you're willing to go outside mm -hmm. of what you know or what you're comfortable with. And you ask questions, you dialogue. For example, when I talk about medicine, when you hear hundreds or thousands of people who've explored other avenues and you can actually see the success rate, then that alone should be sufficient to at least question mm -hmm. whatever it is that you're being given to by so-called experts. 
Yeah. That doesn't mean you put the experts down. It just means you acknowledge that plus. Mm -hmm. You're not leaving it just to. How right. much are you willing to take responsibility for your decision? Yeah. Or are you going to leave it entirely in somebody else's hands? Yeah, and in many ways, growing up implies just that. It implies realizing there's all of this stuff in the world, these institutions that are already there when you are brought into this world. Mm -hmm. And growing up means asserting yourself in the face of pressures that would have you move in one direction or the other or stay the same or become a sheep. Right. Including your family history. Yes. Which controls so much of your dynamics as you grow up. Mm -hmm. Right. But even just an awareness of that, if you're aware of that, that already gives you a plus on most people or a lot of people because they don't yeah. even question it. That's right. Right. It's not, it's not about critiquing your parents or blaming anyone else for the decision in your life. It's I blame my parents completely, <laughs> but carry on. <laughs> well, I know, I know you don't and neither do I, but yeah, yeah. No, I do. Uh, <laughs> I do. I do. You do? I remember telling my mother once that I okay. blamed her for something in the way my psychology works. And I said, it's your fault. You taught me this. You put me... And, and <laughs> and how, <laughs> it happens. And how did she react to that? Yeah, she was... Uh, she didn't have much to say. Right. It was kind of true. Okay. But, yeah, so, anyway. so I take Here, that back. On. Perhaps you're not in the same All right. mode of thinking that I am. But, you know, the one thing that I really find interesting, that we're talking about control, manipulation, and all of this, is the assumption at least this has been my experience in life, that people make about the majority. In other words, if the majority believe that this is right, then it's right. I don't think that. I don't think a majority automatically means that it's correct. It just means that the majority are choosing that. But if you've been influenced by all the factors that we're talking about, yeah. then I no longer give credence to the fact that that is absolute because... The way you got there is questionable. So just because the majority of you believe this, it doesn't mean that it's right. It just means that the majority of you believe this. And there you get a Donald Trump. As a majority example. believing something that may be off the wall, but because of the majority, it becomes the president of the United States. And which, in fact, is really not the majority, but it's the majority of those that were involved in making the decision. Yeah. Because, in fact, it was the minority. And that's it. That's interesting, because when you talk about going back to democracy again, the fact that the percentage of voters is dropping, Declining. dropping, like 50% or something mm -hmm. in many cases, mm -hmm. that does suggest that democracy is, if it's not dead, it's in deep trouble. Well, because if you can distract people and give them, entertain them to the point where they don't think they can make a difference anymore, or they're solely concerned about their own little space, in other words... If you tell me that uh, if you're elected, I'm going to be 10% wealthier than I am, and I go, well, you're the man for me, without considering that maybe my 10% gain might be the loss of 20% for 100,000 yeah. other people. Yeah. It really depends on how you think. Mm -hmm. I think if more of us just looked at every situation we went into day to day to day and said to ourselves, what is required here? What is needed here? And how can I actually do something to improve the situation? Take proactive measures to make my life better, to make other lives better, and not just give my power over to the social system, the government, the health system. I think we'd be further ahead and be happier as individuals, too. I totally agree with that because what you're also doing is you're reducing the platform. You're working on your own immediate area. It's like yeah. work on yourself and those close to you and the rest will ripple. 
That's right. Let it ripple. Get it a handle ripple. on it and let it ripple. Get a <laughs> hand. You take the wheel and let it ripple. <laughs> because that's the first step, right? I mean, you can, you can sit yes, here and worry about right. all the world problems, but if you can't be nice to your neighbor, if you can't be nice to the person you're with at the time, if you can't find solace and gratitude, if you can't find contentment in having your basic needs met, yeah. How the heck are you going to work on the rest? Right. You're just going to exhaust yourself. And gratitude is interesting. Talked about control as being kind of a negative thing, but mm -hmm. sometimes relinquishing control can be a positive thing. And feeling gratitude is, in a way, a relinquishing of control. It's saying, thank you. Yes. Uh, for being a wondrous, miraculous world, and that I'm here is a miraculous thing. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not taking control of anything. I'm just giving exactly. you my heartfelt thanks and letting it be. Right? Let mm -hmm. it be. Yep. Let it be. That's a so, lesson I'm learning every minute of every day. Those Tibetan monks, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, whatever your particular. I should start throat in. singing something <laughs> like go, I could actually do that, but mm, I you know, can. Anyway. Is that your mantra? You don't own me. Don't try to change me in any way. You don't own me. The Sill Podcast, Perspectives on Art and Technology, is a Connecting Dots Media production. Available at thesillpodcast.com.